This is Earth Tribe Radio, www.earthtriberadio.com. Hey, Jill. Hey, Fiona. How are you today? Just for a second, I was waiting for something to happen, and I was supposed to, <laughs> supposed to make it happen. <laughs> well, that's what isolation, I think, does after a while. <laughs> We're waiting for something to happen. Yes, we are. And if something is happening, so... Um, Joe, I had a, um, I, I spotted this on Instagram, and we both, I know, like Wayne Dyer, um, he said, drop the notion that you are what you do. Remember this, if you are what you do, then when you don't, you aren't. I think, first of all, let me tell you, I'm not on Twitter, Instagram, or any of those, so I don't, I, but, so I can't access Wayne Dwyer that way, but he's he is wonderful, and that's that is the dilemma of a lot of people who associate, you know, who they are with what they do, and then when they retire, they go into this huge depression and they can't handle it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's a very hard thing. I noticed it first. I think um, about 30 years ago, we used to go to a a hotel um, not far from where we lived in New York, and it was a place where there were a lot of conventions and things. Sometimes we just popped by. They had a nice breakfast and a view. And I remember seeing um, elderly folk there who uh, who were kind of going to these um, experiences there, and so I saw one group. They had these lays around their neck, and so many of them were looking completely hopeless. Like, when do we start enjoying ourselves? And you know, I think where does it begin? I, I I'm back to my my theme of we are working through thousands of years of conditioning. On yes. us, because you know we were always taught when we were young, or we saw our parents or others identifying people with what they did, um, and then if they meet somebody new and say, "Oh, and what do you do?" Yes. No, it isn't. Who are you, or what do you believe in, or who, what do you? And I, the other day, I was helping somebody, uh, a young woman, write out her resume for the first time, and aside from you know, born where and. Um, school where I said really begin with what you love to do and why you love to do it and how you've managed to you know get a summer job doing something like that but let's work with something that ties the personality that you are into what you want to do it's like being a creative artist you know and you always, they always say the, perp, the person who loves what they do uh, never has to work a day in their life. That's a wonderful statement, too, yes. You know, because if you love what you do, it is, you are what, you, what you're doing, and because of who you are, that's why you're doing it. So it isn't the doing of it that comes first. It's the recognition of who you are. Absolutely. I, so often when people meet people, they say, what do you do, or what are you, in fact, sometimes they say. Um, I heard one person who used to say it was kind of like a success coach that I listened to once, and they said, um, don't tell them, don't say I am uh, whatever, I am uh, 
they just just say to them, for me, for example, I would say, which I've taken on in the last 20 years of saying, which is, you know how people uh, are always looking for greater peace and harmony and comfort in their lives? Well, I hope to share tools and help them to gather a toolbox so they can find more of that in their lives. Rather than saying, I am a life a. coach. Yeah, I yeah. am a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you... I, if I you, used to say, I used to say, I am an autodidact. <laughs> I just created as I, I, what I, what I am as I go along, because I am, by moment by moment, I am changing, I am different, I am... Uh, excited, I am sad, I am, I, we are, as people, we are, we are the creator of our, our life. It's, it's like, so that's what we do. In fact, if I can find a way to put this in words, um, we, we express who we are through, uh, through what, gives us joy to do. Now, if we find ourselves in a position where we are who, what we do, we get into that trap of once we stop doing it, who who are we then? Yes. So I think the difficult thing for a lot of people is two difficult things here. The one thing is that very often when we go to college, when we come out, we feel we have to do what we did at college. And then when we're doing what we did and the jobs that say it is a bookkeeper or a doctor or a teacher, so we then uh, are looking at our lives and thinking, well, I'd like to do something else, but we know if we don't keep down that pathway, Or we get tied into student fees and I've got to pay off the student fees so I have to stay in this job. And then, of course, then the I would say, in my words, the system got you. Um, yeah. It's it, it's hard. So the question I have for us then yeah. is if people want to stay in that, uh, you know, if, for example, maybe, again, they're a bookkeeper, maybe they're a nurse or a doctor, maybe they're a teacher, if they want to stay in that so that they can get their retirement, so they can have the security of nice paychecks, what can they do or what can we suggest that they do that they could stay in that and still have what we were talking about? Oh, well, wait, I'm not quite sure I understand the question, but um, if or, or, uh, you might have said it very well, but I, I went, my brain went off on a tangent in a moment. I think that, uh, let me answer it this way and then you can bring me back to what you, what you meant. So for those who have retired from the work that they have identified themselves as, this is, what, this is who I am, uh, it really is important to plan what I call the next chapter, the adventure of the next chapter, the next thing that, br- something that brings you joy in your life. So you want to be a fisherman, all right, let's, find out where I can go fishing, what licenses I need, what I need to do to make this, put my energy behind something that I love to do, then I think there isn't such a loss of identity because you've now stepped into the next chapter of your life. 
then they can be chapters in chapters. Yeah. So you may be like 45 or 40 and you've been in a career for a while. Yeah. And at the same time, again, you don't want to get out, but you can create a chapter within a chapter. Yeah. I, and I, even I, that's, that's how I did my resume, chapter one, because it is, that's how I see life is, oh, we're on to the next adventure, the next chapter. Yeah. Uh, and to me, that's far more exciting and I don't get stuck in one. I've been identified it can be difficult because for a lot of people who are in relatively prestigious occupations, it's difficult not to identify with what they are. I know that, um, for example, my nephew, who's an MD in Australia, he was uh, he went through many things. He went to wine school. <clears throat> Sorry, and decided he didn't want to do it for learning how to make wine. Then he went to went to be a ski instructor in Switzerland, and then he went to teach Italian in uh, English in Italy. Then he came back and went to physical therapy a school for, to become a physical therapist and drove a, a taxi while he did that. Then he broke his back, so he couldn't do that. Then he drove a taxi again so that he could be, do his medical degree. Now, I don't see him identifying as much with what he does because he did a lot of things before and he saw a lot of life. I think the difficult thing is when we have uh, gone straight from college into a career and we think that's who we are, but we can step out of there and make chapters within the chapter, the major chapter that we have. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's really, you know, I... um, I found, uh, and I think I've mentioned this before, that when I, and of course since the cancer I haven't been able to travel like uh, I used to, but I found that if I took myself away from home, away from my husband, away from, any, you know, for a month, and traveled somewhere where I've never been, it's a different language, that I really get a sense of who I am. To put myself in it, so a totally different thing, like crossing the Sahara Desert with a Tuareg or backpacking in Honduras uh, during a very rough political, uh, scary time, um, and and managing to come through it alive. Uh, I really and 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 actually feeling at all times that I was never really in danger. But I had to be aware, and I had to count on myself. And so when I do come back, my husband picks me up at the airport. He's got me back. He doesn't have somebody who has just uh, sort of succumbed to the reality of everyday life around me. Do you see Mm -hmm. explaining it? Yes, yes. I, I think you can do that in small ways, too. I think that if you, when you travel, if you can do, rather than the big hotels, which are fun sometimes, it's sometimes fun to be in a big hotel, but if you can go to the smaller B&B, Airbnbs, not even Airbnbs, B&Bs, bed and breakfast, or little um, inns that people run in places like India, where you actually interact with the people around you. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Or stay with the family. Very often families in different countries 
and you usually do it through a language school. You, if you could look up, I want to stay with a family in Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, Mexico, Peru, France, Spain, Italy. I want to stay with a family. Um, so you, you know, they get a bit of money, but they don't speak English. You eat their food. The one I always wanted to do was to take a Spanish class in Antigua and Guatemala in the mornings and then learn how they weave their incredible cloth in the afternoon, take a weaving class, have somebody teach me that. So when I was doing those sort of things, it was always with an aim to learning something new about other people. So it's widening my life instead of, closing it down to the office I'm working in. Yeah, and I also said, sorry. Just let me finish. For me, I have to say, for some people, a month would be too much. For me, I needed that month because it takes me that much time to fully integrate and feel like I am now home in another world before I then come back to my world. It takes me... And even a week is helpful. You know, maybe you can't do more than two weeks because you've got that much holiday time. Yeah. And any time that you can do, I know for people who are very active and who are pretty able to work outside or in different places, there are work programs that you can go, for example, to pick olives in Italy or grapes in France. There are different things, and you live in the little houses somewhere there, and then you go and work on the farms or work yeah. somewhere else. Oh, that's I wonderful. Think, yeah, and some of the kids that I've talked to have done that and really liked it. Some of the situations are awful, and some of the situations work really well. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we just have to, you know, come to it with a flexible mind, you know, and that's as this is what we're doing. We're learning something different. And I think you can never really grow old if you are still learning, if you're still learning something and show a joy about life. So, I mean, even now in this period of time where we're in stay in place, we're in the isolation of this coronavirus, um, this is a time to plan. We've got time to plan on on what we want or create in our minds or draw it on a piece of paper or write it on a piece of paper or create a, a piece of music about this. I mean, I look at uh, Tony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, in, in isolation right now. And so here's an actor who's famous for his acting in the movies he's been in, in the stage plays he's, he's been in and he is uh, he he creates these symphonies and so he's always writing music he's also an artist he paints and he always has his cat with him so whether he's playing the piano or painting something his cat is always with him and he's creating creating something new all the time so he may label himself as an actor but I label him as one of life's wonderful creative beings because he's always creating. And And even if we're in isolation, we can always be creating something. 
It can be something simple, too, that nobody else is going to ever see. See, one of the things I think that that stops people from being creative, whether it's singing or playing an instrument or, um, or, or any kind of media like drawing or things like that, um, I think we get stopped because we've seen too much. And I hear people all the time, particularly with singing, saying, no, I can't. I can't sing in tune. Or, no, I can't. Because we're I don't comparing know. ourselves to somebody else's way of singing. Absolutely. And it, then it's like you can, instead of just, when I was a kid, and it may have been here too, in Australia in my teenage years anyway, I used to walk around singing in the streets when I was in town, and other people would whistle. No one does that anymore because everybody's so nervous that somebody's going to tell them that they're silly or stupid or that they they sound or, terrible. Or whistling is not allowed. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, my dad used to sing, and he was he had a very nice voice, but he used to often sing out of tune, and I was a professional musician, even as a, a youngish person. So it was, uh, it's not, it, it, but I just loved to hear him sing because he he just enjoyed it so much. Yes, and, and he was so expressing himself. It doesn't matter if you can't paint. It doesn't matter if it doesn't look, actually it doesn't look like something that you're painting. I, I was with a, a young child, probably eight or nine, and she painted a, a or drew, I can't remember, a, a plant or a flower, and she looked down as if she was embarrassed. I said, what's wrong? She said, it doesn't look like it. And I said, well, but some of the greatest artists that have been on the planet up to this point have painted something and made it not look like the thing because they were expressing something even more than just what they saw. Brilliant, Fiona. And, and I think that's something we have to remember with creation. It's about expressing something from within us. And, you know, there's either, I very much did not like um, Wozzeck. I can't remember who wrote Weil, wrote it right, Weil. <clears throat> and I had to sing it in the Australian opera, but um, a lot of this stuff is very harsh, very yes, kind of yeah. discordant, and that never works for me, but a lot of people love it. So if you sing and you're not in pitch, there are some composers that can look at <laughs> <music>. <laughs> you're tr- That's so true. So I think, you know, if you want, if it, I think Jill is so, it's so true, just find something. Take a pencil and just doodle on the paper, then or just go and look at a flower and draw the flower. I've got another, i got to tell you, I've got to confess here. This is uh-huh. what I do, and it's, I, I've always done it. If I'm in the evening, if you, if all, any of us find ourselves sitting in a chair in the evening, the usual chair that you're sitting in, what I do is I look at a corner of the room hmm. from the perspective of where I'm sitting and think of how I can make that corner really beautiful. Hmm. What do I need that I have? How how can there be a slight rearrangement? And I have create I have done this for so many years, and I've had to change where I sit in order to start, you know, just looking at another wall over there and thinking, you know, I shouldn't be, you know, what looked nice over there is if I took this and, but so I'm creating beauty with whatever I have from wherever I'm sitting somewhere in the house. So there are little pockets of... I remember somebody kept coming into the house and said, oh, my God, this is like a museum. Everywhere I look, there's this artwork or there's this. 
and there's a plan behind the artwork. Not that I bought it that way, but then I've discovered, oh, I bought that statue or I have that painting and that would look so nice next to it. And I love doing it. So I'm unconsciously creating the whole time, the whole time. And I think you, you can do that. I do that with the gardens, too. I look there and think, I actually sometimes hold a plant up to a garden and ask myself, is this going to match it? Is it going to be, a, will, it, will it fit in this garden? And does it want to go there? And I, I, I walk around the gardens and see them as a palette as well. And, and I think we can do that with anything. We can do that with our clothes, with our jewelry, with uh, the house. And um, again, it doesn't have to be anything that anybody else likes. Yeah, you don't have to buy anything. It can already be there. Yes. I'll tell you what I did buy on Amazon, and it arrived yesterday. I have to tell you this, Fiona. I bought a, a, a small young ficus tree. <sighs> How lovely. Because I miss the one that I work with. It's over at my son's house that where we used to do a lot of the recording. And I had this ficus tree that somebody had thrown out on the road. It was quite large, and everybody said, oh, no, it's bigger than the, taller than the ceilings. But I connected with it. And I used to do a lot of healing work, distant healing work on people, but working with the tree because the tree has such great energy, and, and trees always send energy. They're great senders of things, transmitters of prayers and energy. And so I thought, well, I can't have my cat here because my cat is actually Luke's cat, and it's over at his house, so I don't have any cats, and I don't have my ficus tree. And I thought, well, I'm going to get the ficus. So it arrived yesterday. I planted it, and I've got it on my desk or my table next to my chair where I sit. So I'm beginning this relationship, waking up this ficus tree so that we can begin to work together again. So oh, wonderful. Yeah, and, and that cost me six bucks. Six bucks to uh, be delivered by Amazon. You know, we you're so creative in the way you think, too. And... I think sometimes we get very rigid. I've talked quite a bit about a teacher back in the early 20th century called Gurdjieff, and he used to say we get ourselves locked locked into such narrow lives because we we can't step out. We get uncomfortable when we step out of the pathway of our lives. And if you, if anybody can, feels that they do the same thing, they're thinking the same way, and that actually restricts our thinking too when we do that. So um, if we can, if we can do something a bit different, if we can do a few things to change what the way we do things, and maybe again make a make a different section of our life with something that's creative. That's a great way. That's a great way to unlock the stagnant part of our lives is to shift the way we do it rather than what we do begin by shifting the way we do something or the time of the day that we do something so it's out of our normal way of doing things if we want to awaken that creativity within us 
I think that's, that, that is so true. I also want to just suggest that there are a couple of other things in media, a few things that we can do. Most of the museums and many places now have virtual tours and many of the houses, you know, the great houses have virtual tours. Even a lot of the wonderful gardens and uh, places have virtual tours. So it's, and, and then also we can do what Jill has loved, which is uh, the great courses. You can go yeah. on and do a course, uh, you, you know, online or I don't, uh, so that you can do it at home. And then the travel shows. If you key into to Rick Steve or Footloose in uh, Spain or Footloose in, in London, those guys who do Footloose programs, it's you actually walk with them through. It's uh, longer programs, but by the time you've finished walking through part of Spain with them, you really feel like you were there. Yeah. And so, if you can't get away, if it's too difficult, too expensive, or you're kind of stuck where you are. Watching travel shows, doing courses, and taking virtual tours can be really helpful to bring us out of being stuck in these rigid pathways. Absolutely. And when we watch these shows, we can also get ideas for doing something similar that we have fallen in love with by watching something in Italy or something in Spain or France or the Alps or that we think, oh, that would, that's a plant that would grow here, I bet. Or mm-hmm. let me investigate, you know me. Uh, let's investigate. Let's explore that because maybe I could bring that element into my life where I live here, wherever you live, whether it's in Africa or uh, in Alaska. That's true, and also things like recipes. That you can get virtually. So when you go on one of the travel shows, you may see them eating something, and that may stimulate you to say, oh, I'd love to find that and try that. So you can, you can find virtually every recipe on the Internet now. So you can explore different aspects of the travel shows, or, um, or uh, you can explore the world through food as well. There's a lot of foodies around. I got There's another food. idea. I got another idea. Here I am. <laughs> I got another idea because you know we're doing podcasts on how to feed your family or feed people you are with uh, at a at a low cost. Yes. So we've been doing those sort of podcasts, but I've got another one. So I'll tell you here is I've been searching on all the things that you can do with potatoes. Oh my! Well, maybe we'll do a show on that. <laughs> I know it's, but you see, this is if I'm here, the bugs are out. It's 110 degrees out. It's not really, but it's in the triple digits, and all the nosthium bugs are out, and so I can't go outside. So I want to. What can I plant in my garden, and what what can I make out of that? And then I think potatoes. There's so much wastage of potatoes. There, I don't know if you've seen it on the news. All the farmers are throwing away potatoes because the markets are closed. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. I know what to do with those. You know, and there's so many uh, recipes that you can do. So yes, let's do let's do a podcast on that. But at the same time. I'm not. I don't feel I've been what five weeks now in isolation. Is it only five weeks? But I've been creative throughout the whole time. I think a lot of people have been creative, and that is one way to help us through this is through creativity. And again, don't judge yourself. Don't share it if it's if it's painting, singing, or um, 
any of those things initially until you get really confident in in what you're doing. Because otherwise, one when I was a kid, I used to write poetry, just reams and reams of poetry. It's kind of how I got myself through a very uh, tough school, elementary school. And um, th- th- what I showed, I remember about 10 or 11, I showed a poem to somebody who came to dinner. And they they diagnosed it as if it was like an adult's poem. Yeah. And actually, I never wrote another poem until my 20s. Yeah, I, same, I had the same experience, but when I was older. And, yeah, so and, and I never even asked for it to be criticized. As a matter of no, fact, it's just no, oh, yes. Yeah. No, it's a terrible thing to happen. So, you, the the other thing is, if you're creating a piece, you're creating it for you. Yes. Really, this is your your creativity coming out. So, whether you're sitting in a chair and, and designing that corner of the room, what goes in that corner of the room, or whether you're doing a painting or writing a symphony, it's coming from you. So, you you this is part. It's very hard. It is part of you. It's it's part of the core of, of of who you are when you're creating something, and and so you treasure it because it comes from your heart. It comes from your spirit. It comes from your soul. Um, and if somebody comes by with a judgment on it, there are several things you can say like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't ask for your judgment," or. Is that how you see it? Oh, I see it in an entirely different way. Stay true to yourself. Stay true yes. to what you created. It's part of you. Don't invite criticism. Don't show it off. Just let it be. Let it be. It's there especially, for you. Especially in the beginning, and I know Jill saw Picasso on the beach doing art. And he's oh, he's drawing in the sand with a long stick in the south of France drawing in the sand, and then watching the waves come in and erase his drawings. And he was one of the most, he is one of the most revered artists on the planet still. And um, if some, he has to have been very strong. He started off as a representational artist, I believe, but he has to have been very strong. When he started to do all these abstract, and I don't exactly know what you call them, but these pieces he did, if somebody had said to him, oh, that nobody, somebody's nose isn't on their foot, you know, he would have given up forever and we never would have had Picasso. So he was confident enough in himself just to kind of say, you know, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm enjoying, this is my representation. But I have to say that the majority of us are not like that. So hold it No, because we have thousands of years of conditioning Yes. Behind us, it makes us uh, open to being uh, judged, allowing labels to be put on things and judge things judged. And it's so, interesting. One would wonder how. What is it? I know he was very strong because, so I've heard, I've never met him, but um, he had a pretty strong self-concept. And it's interesting to know, it would be interesting to, it would be an interesting book to read about his childhood to see what happened in his childhood that made him so strong. And uh, I don't know if you know, but I don't know. I think it's the next thing I know. But that'll give me something to explore and find out. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Well, we've been exploring. We are not what we do. We are who we are. And uh, Wayne Dyer said so much 
in such a, a wonderful way. And uh, he said, drop the notion that you are what you do. Remember this. If you are what you do, then, what, then when you don't, you aren't. Um, this is Earth Tribe Radio, www.earthtriberadio.com. Your home on planet Earth.